The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. Afternoon. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the governments of Canada and Saskatchewan have just announced $250,000 in funding as part of a $1.7 million project to increase co-packing capacity at the Saskatchewan Food Industry Development Centre in Saskatoon. We'll have the details on that. As well, there has been an uptick in producers taking advantage of Saskatchewan Crop Insurance's Western Livestock Price Insurance Program. We'll hear from the coordinator of the program, Jody Griffin. The two major railways have been on a roll over the past six weeks with the percentage of car fulfillment orders ranging from the high 80s to the mid 90s. We'll hear from Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting on that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Under. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we have a cloudy sky here today. Could we expect some precipitation before the day is out? Well, there are some showers around the province. Uh, looking off to the south is where most of them are. Uh, along and south of Trans-Canada, there is some rain. And then a lot of rain sitting uh, south of Manitoba. But the key word south and it's not moving north so we're in pretty good shape for most of the day to dry we may get a couple of sprinkles the radar shows is not much but the cloud cover says that there's at least that moisture it's pretty thick overcast for many of us so we'll keep the chance at least for a sprinkle through the afternoon and as tonight uh, temperatures drop below freezing a flurry don't expect accumulation from that in fact most of us shouldn't even expect a flurry it's just a slight risk through the evening hours especially temperatures getting up to around 10 this afternoon a lot of cloud cover we're on the Cool side of a minimally warmer system. The warm air is really uh, a southwestern U.S. phenomenon, although it is building northward. It's making it up to about Oregon. And over the next few days, it'll build northeastward from there. It'll take a few days to get to us, but that is going to be the trend. And not only is the trend warmer from that air mass building in, it's a dry, dry weather pattern. Uh, so a pretty good uh, Stretch your days is ahead. But first, we have this storm system that's sitting over uh, the central part of North Dakota today, and it's got a secondary wave just south of it, and that second wave is just pulling in a lot of moisture. That's why we're stuck with this cloud cover. It's that same storm system. The heavy rainfall is associated with it, really not on this side of the border at all. But it's part of the overall uh, blocking pattern that's been sitting close to the border for a while, and it uh, keeps things in place today. Tonight, again, we drop to minus 4 below. That flurry threat will drop off. The storm system is pulling away, slowly, but away. And so we'll see the cloud cover linger even as the flurry threat drops off through the night. There is still one more disturbance on the backside of all of this. One more trough uh, off in just barely into North Dakota now. Most, the core of most of that moisture is still in Montana. Just like this other one, it's south of us. The moisture is going to... Uh, 
get fed in by a fourth storm system in this series. This is a the really is the northeastern edge of that ridge. It's just a, a series of these disturbances coming through. The most aggressive of them is going to track through tomorrow night, and that could actually produce some measurable rainfall. Minor rainfall. When, uh, when I say measurable, I point that out because it's not going to be trace amounts. We're talking a few millimeters, but measurable nonetheless. Tomorrow night, that moves through. By later in the nighttime, that frontal boundary, which is barely even registering right now as the front starts to pull the warm air northward. We don't get into the warm air immediately, but we start to get into the drier air. So 13 tomorrow, 11 degrees, both Saturday and Sunday. Saturday starts with that cloud cover, turns mostly sunny. The wind will take up as that last storm cuts by. So quite a gusty breeze for Saturday afternoon, 20 to 40 gusts over 50. Sunday, the wind eases up, mostly sunny sky 11, and then that warm air pulls in, 14 on Monday, and we'll climb into the upper teens for Tuesday and Wednesday. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at 4 degrees, Swan River 5, Dauphin 6, Brandon 10, Show Lake Russell 9, Roblin 8. Regina is at 11 degrees, Saskatoon Broadview Mooseman 10, Hudson Bay 6, Indian Head 9, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 7. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a north wind at 18, gusting to 28 kilometers an hour. 47% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 8 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 13 degrees and dropped to a low of 2 degrees. There was 4.7 millimeters of rain that fell in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 14 degrees. The normal low is 1 degree. The sun rose in Yorkton at 5.30 this morning, and it will set at 8.05 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday... The Manitoba hot spot was Melita at 15 degrees. The cold spot was Churchill at minus 14 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Maple Creek at 18 degrees. The cold spot was Hudson Bay at minus 1 degree. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. The governments of Canada and Saskatchewan have announced $250,000 in funding as part of a $1.7 million project to increase co-packing capacity at the Saskatchewan Food Industry Development Centre in Saskatoon. The co-packing project is comprised of a combination of new capital, in-kind and cash contributions from sources that include Prairie Economic Development Canada, and industry stakeholders. The investment will enable the food centre through the purchase of specialized canning, bottling and packaging equipment to provide early stage product and market development services needed to support clients from the meat, plant protein, ingredients, fruit and vegetable processing sectors. Improved access to this kind of small batch in-house co-packing capacity will facilitate future growth for these emerging sectors in Saskatchewan's processing industry. The Food Centre offers the capacity and expertise to pilot new products 
without the need for major capital investments in unproven technologies, making it a strong support mechanism for companies seeking to launch them. The food centre has already been a major resource in expanding the potential of pulse-based ingredients and has identified new innovative utilization solutions in food applications. The $250,000 in funding was provided through the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, which preceded the current Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership. Of course, the Canadian Agricultural Partnership was a five-year, $3 billion investment by federal, provincial and territorial governments to strengthen and grow Canada's agriculture, agri-food and agri-products sectors. This included a $2 billion commitment that was cost-shared 60% federally and 40% provincially and territorially for programs that were designed and delivered by provinces and territories. It's time now for the AgriView portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. EX94, AgriView. Statistics Canada says farmers are expecting to plant the largest wheat crop in more than two decades in 2023. The data agency says this is possibly due to favorable prices and strong demand for wheat. Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine more than a year ago drove up global wheat prices as Ukraine has been one of the world's largest wheat exporters. Prices have since declined significantly from last year's double-digit highs but remain relatively strong from a historical perspective. The war in Ukraine is just one of several curveballs Canadian farmers were thrown last year. These challenges included inflationary pressures on things like fertilizer and fuel, as well as higher interest rates. Farmers have also been facing more extreme weather over the past decade, including a severe drought in 2021. Russia's envoy to the United Nations in Geneva says no real progress has been made in resolving issues raised by Moscow over the Black Sea grain deal, which is set to expire next month. Separately, Ukraine accuses Russia of blocking the passage of four grain ships from its Black Sea ports. The Kremlin has reportedly said the deal will not be renewed beyond May 18th, unless the West removes obstacles to Russian grain and fertilizer exports. The Black Sea deal, brokered between Russia and Ukraine by the United Nations and Turkey in July, aimed to prevent a global food crisis by allowing Ukrainian grain trapped by Russia's invasion to be safely exported from three ports. The Ukrainian Navy claims Russia has effectively stalled the deal, by refusing to take part in agreeing upon the routes that four grain ships should take, a process that occurs for each export trip. The European Commission will ban Ukrainian grain and oilseeds exports to Romania until June 5th. Romania has stopped short of enforcing a ban, whereas Poland, Hungary, Bulgaria and Slovakia took unilateral steps to protect local markets from a flow of Ukrainian farm products. 
With access to its own Black Sea ports blocked and later limited by Russia's invasion, Ukraine, one of the world's leading grain exporters, has had to find alternative shipping routes through neighboring states. Millions of tons of grains and oil seeds, cheaper than those produced in the European Union and exempt from customs tax, ended up in Central and Eastern Europe, with local farmers complaining demand and prices of local products were distorted. Earlier this month, the European Commission said it would take emergency preventive measures for wheat, maize, sunflower seeds and rapeseed, compensating local farmers and only allowing grain to enter the five countries from Ukraine if they were set for export to other EU members or the rest of the world. The organization representing fairs and exhibition organizers across Canada is raising concern about implemented and proposed Canadian Food Inspection Agency, or CFIA, regulations. On March 18th, the CFIA opened a 90-day consultation until June 16th about livestock traceability and identification. Some of the rules place the responsibility of identifying and tracing the livestock on event organizers. The CFIA working to streamline traceability and identification is something the Canadian Association of Fairs and Exhibitions supports, but Christina Frank, the organization's executive director, says this kind of work should be handled by livestock producers. She says the tagging regulations say that if an animal loses its tag on the fairgrounds or at a show, the organizers are responsible for putting the tag in with the fairgrounds identification number. She's advocating that the farmers be the ones who replace any lost tags and that the tags have the farm of origins identification number. If you thought the price of food was persistently painfully high, you're not alone. On global markets, the price of grains, vegetable oil, dairy and other agricultural commodities has fallen steadily for months. But the relief hasn't made it to the real world of shopkeepers, street vendors and families trying to make ends meet. U.S. economist Joseph Glauber says that's because of energy costs which are embedded in so-called core inflation. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and 8 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. There's been an uptick in producers taking advantage of Saskatchewan Crop Insurance's Western Livestock Price Insurance Program. Coordinator of the program, Jody Griffin, says it's trending in the same direction as cattle prices. Up. We are seeing active participation. I would say actually participation is tracking right up there with our pre-COVID participation rates. Through COVID, we'd seen participation lag behind, and that just had to do with volatilities in the market, cost to buy insurance, and so forth. Now that we've got these levels the way that they're at and premium rates that are quite attractive, um, we're seeing that participation pick up for sure. However, she doesn't have any hard numbers to provide. We don't have that as of yet. Uh, we will do that once, uh, like for the CAP program especially, because 
well, I'll just back that up. Like for cattle producers, livestock price insurance offers three programs, two of which are available to purchase all year round. And the other one, which is the cap program, which I want to talk about today, uh, it has a deadline of June 9th. So once those deadlines are done and complete, then we tabulate all of our numbers and then we'll publish that probably towards the end of June. But it's kind of hard to measure at this point. Um, And especially with those other two programs that are continuously running, it's tough to track. So what I do is I just watch, you know, where are we at today versus where are we at before? And we're, like I said, we're trending back to those pre-COVID levels. Griffin outlines how the program works. Yeah. And, you know, because we did, like we're talked, we've talked about that participation and through COVID, we'd seen participation kind of back off. Definitely something that I'm seeing is these guys who haven't participated in the program for a while are coming back to to look at the price insurance again. So it is a good reminder just on how it does work. So it establishes a floor price on the market for a defined period of time. So this is the only risk management tool for our producers in Western Canada that allows for a producer to have a policy in place that establishes a floor price, but still allows for upswing potential should the market continue to rise. So in an environment like this, that's a very important piece of the price insurance model, right? You purchase insurance, you can protect these really extreme prices that we're seeing right now. But also when you do come to the market, you know you've got that floor price put in place. If the market happens to go even higher, you're not gonna be restricted with your policy to be able to take advantage of that. She explains where the latest livestock price insurance information can be found. Yeah, so the best thing to do is to log on to our website, which is www.lpi.ca. Our website publishes the premium tables that we offer each day of the week, which is Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So Thursdays are the days that producers can buy, and they can purchase from 2 p.m. in the afternoon until 11 p.m. in the evening of that day. And those tables are published to the public. Anybody can take a look at that coverage and see what we're offering. Um, They can also contact us at at Crop Insurance and call our toll-free line and speak to one of our representatives who can help them walk through how the premium tables are performing. And if you're not enrolled at this point, um, you can call into Crop Insurance and they'll make sure to get you set up to do that as well. When you enroll into the program, it doesn't obligate you to buy a policy and it's a one-time enrollment. Once you're in, you're in, and then you have the flexibility of being able to participate on the program whenever it's convenient. So through the website, or you can call us at Crop Insurance at 1-888-935-000. Jody Griffin is the coordinator of the Western Livestock Price Insurance Program with Saskatchewan Crop Insurance in Melville. It's time now for the Livestock Market Conditions and they're a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 165.20 today. That's up 62. August live cattle closed at 163.85, up 45. May feeder cattle closed at 211.52, up 125. August feeder cattle closed at 231.57, up 62. May lean hogs closed at 78.12, 
down 15. June lean hogs closed at 90.10, down 17. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of April the 26th. A good size sale here for this time of the year. 1525 in the sort, 400 cows and bulls, a total of 1925 for the day. And wow, what a sale we had yesterday. Quite exciting. Cows and bulls were higher, selling to a strong demand. The pre-sort was strong, selling higher in spots. Listen up. D1, D2 cows, 138 to 148, sales to 157, 158. D3 cows, 128 to 138. Pay attention to the average. Average was 141. From that good Sheho country, 1,700-pound cows topped out at 159. Good job to that producer. Good bulls, 143 to 153, sales to 165 to 166. From the Roblin area, 2,200-pound bulls at 169.75. From the Grenfell area, 1,900-pound bulls topped out at 170. On to the pre-sort sale, and what a sale that was. 400-pound black steers, 390. 500-pounders, 357. 575 pound steers, 339. 650 pound steers, 327. My favorite pen, 710 pound tan steers, 309. 800 pounders, 293. 850 pound black steers, 286. And 950 pound steers at 250. On the heifer side, 425 pound heifers, 346. 490 pound heifers, 329. 550 pound red Angus heifers, 305. The 650s at 290. 650 pound red black exotic heifers. There was 143 in this package. They topped out at 285. 710 pound heifers, 270. 800 pounders, 260. The 850 pound red black exotic heifers, 250. And 950 pound heifers at 227. Highlight of the morning. Eight little red Angus steers weighing 400 pounds. Top out at four dollars that's right guys four dollars the black heifers at 550 pounds they topped out at 306 and next wednesday we are selling a total herd dispersal for the Fillion family of ethelbert 35 black cows a few red and gray cows bred to black and red angus bulls some of these cows will have calves outside they're selling due to health issues we will be selling his herd next wednesday at two o'clock that's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down really sharply right across the board today. July canola closed at 708.60, down $26.30. November canola closed at 683.40, down $19.90. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 7.85 per bushel, down 28 cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at 7.65 and a quarter, down 18 cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 6.29 and a quarter, down 12 and three quarters of a cent. July corn closed at 5.81 and a half, down 19 and a half cents. July soybeans closed at 14.03 and three quarters, down 11 cents. July oats closed at 3.14 and a quarter, down 12 and a quarter cents. 
And that's the commodities update. The two major railways have been on a roll over the past six weeks, with the percentage of car fulfillment orders ranging from the high 80s to the mid-90s. Those are the best numbers since the beginning of harvest back in September. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting, which monitors grain movement by rail on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of grain companies and producer organizations. He says a complicated process can be boiled down to these basics. Shippers put in orders for rail cars. If the railway doesn't supply them, then you have poor order fulfillment performance and you get outstanding orders, which you then carry into the following week. And if that happens multiple weeks in a row, then you end up with a big backlog. And once you're in that position, you know, that's when you've really got a problem. Poirier says there are two types of rail car demand. There's demand that takes the form of new orders that shippers put in every week. And there's what we call total effective demand, which is those orders plus any outstanding orders that are carried in by the railways from prior weeks because they weren't able to fulfill them on time in the weeks that they were ordered. If the system is operating well, then there's not much of a difference between those two numbers because order fulfillment tends to be high and you don't have a lot of outstanding orders. So your effective demand week to week is generally close to, you know, what your new demand is. Not surprisingly, unfulfilled car orders tend to accumulate once the harvest begins through to February. You would expect demand to be higher, but during that stretch, weekly demand on average, so new orders from shippers, was about 9,600 cars a week. However, the problem was that on average, each week during that period, the railways combined, CN and CP, were carrying about 1,900 orders that they hadn't filled in prior weeks, and that number just kept rolling over week to week to week to week. Poirier goes on to say, So what that did is it gave you an effective demand each week of about 11,500 cars, which is a, a pretty big number. And at that same time, the railways were only spotting about 9,000 cars a week. So on average, they were falling short by about 2,500 cars a week relative to the number of orders that they needed to fill, both because of the new demand plus the ones that they were late on. And these are the latest rail car numbers for the March-April period. Weekly demand is about 1,400 cars lower so 8,200 roughly instead of 9,600, which you'd expect given the time of year. But key is the fact that outstanding orders over the last six weeks on a weekly basis have averaged just over 750 cars per week. So your effective demand um, in the March-April period was about 9,000 cars a week, as opposed to the 11.5 during the September to February period. The railways in the last six weeks have been spotting on average 8,300 cars a week, so less than they were spotting in September to February. But the gap between effective demand and weekly car spotting is only 700 cars, whereas previously the gap was 2,500 cars. So when you put those things together, it basically explains why order fulfillment performance has gotten better why outstanding orders have gone down 
And when outstanding orders go down, then that feeds directly back into order fulfillment performance getting better. So it's kind of a circular logic, if you will. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting, which monitors the railway's grain transportation performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition. His comments were made on the latest edition of the Grain by Train podcast produced by Pulse Canada, a member of the Ag Transport Coalition. Please stay tuned. Your Farm Bulletin Board is coming up in one minute's time. The Farm Bulletin Board. The East Central Research Foundation in Parkland College is looking for a new research assistant or even a co-coordinator that could take the leadership role in a few years' time. If you know of a recent master's student graduate in agronomy, that would be ideal, of course. If you know of anyone who would be interested in this position, please send your resume to m.hall at parklandcollege.sk.ca and they can also contact Mike Hall directly at 306-621-6032. That's once again for a research assistant at the East Central Research Foundation farm here just south of Yorkton. If you're a private landowner who owns 500 acres or more of grazing land, then the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association wants to hear from you. You can take their survey that will explore understanding, perceptions and interest in carbon opportunities and ecological goods and services across the Canadian prairies. Responses will be anonymous and grouped to your larger region for protection of your privacy. You will also receive $50 as a thank you for your participation. To learn more about the survey, go to www.fuseconsulting.ca take-the-survey in order to complete the survey for the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. The Bayer Crop Science Opportunity Scholarship Program is available once again to graduating grade 12 students entering their first year of post-secondary education in agriculture, food science, or a culinary program at a Canadian university or college of their choice in the fall of 2023. Scholarships will be awarded to students based on demonstrated academic achievement, leadership in their community, and their vision for how they will contribute to Canadian agriculture in the future. The application deadline is June 8th. To apply, students can visit www.cropscience.bayer.ca slash our company slash scholarship information to review the program guidelines and connect to Scholarship Partners Canada, a division of Universities Canada, who serve as the independent administrator for the Bayer Crop Science Opportunity Scholarship Program. If you know of a student planning to pursue studies in agriculture or a food-related discipline of study, encourage them to apply today. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Cloudy, 
Winds north-northwest at 20 to 30 and a high of 10 degrees. For tonight, cloudy with a slight chance of isolated flurries or sprinkles. Winds north at 10 to 20 and a low of minus 4. For tomorrow, mainly cloudy. Winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of 13, an overnight low of 1. For Saturday, early cloudy, turning to sunshine. Winds north-northwest at 20 to 40, a high of 11. For Sunday, mainly sunny, also a high of 11. Monday, mainly sunny, a high of 14. In the Paw, it's 4 degrees, Swan River is at 5, Dauphin 6, Brandon 10, Show Lake Russell 9, Roblin 8. Regina is at 11, Saskatoon, Broadview, Mooseman 10, Hudson Bay 6, Indian Head 9, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington 7. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a north wind at 18, gusting to 28 kilometers per hour. 47% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 8 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Broadcasting from the traditional lands of the Treaty 4 Nations and homeland of the Métis people, this is CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station. We are GX94. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.